Hey everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. Hey friends, it's Tamara here. This is the second of two solo episodes by the wonderful Mara Thomas. If you haven't listened to the first one, then scoot on back and do that first. See the links in the show notes for more information. I'm sending you love. Enjoy. Well, hello again, soapboxers. Thank you so much for joining me for part two of this conversation. In the previous episode, I talked about the state of, I don't know, shell shock that my creativity has found itself in after the past year and a half. That for me, One of the ways I got through this time was by putting my creativity in a box and locking it and setting it aside. In the face of so much uncertainty around when and how and even if we'd get back to live performance, I just had to tune out. Now, though, I can feel it. This pressure that's building inside of me, it has to be released. It's becoming too much to carry around, and I have to find a way to channel it which means re-engaging with my creativity. But how? Like I mentioned last time, this is the messy middle, where I'm suspended between, I used to do this thing, and I'm doing this thing again, but right now I'm just kind of in limbo land. Here in the messy, uncertain middle part, I'm staring down a different creative impediment. Inertia. How in the world do I muster up the energy to start again? Now that my creative practice has been mothballed for 17 months, how do I fit it back into my day? How do I get this ball rolling again? What's even the point? The point, of course, is that engaging with creativity is essential to my overall mental health. It truly doesn't matter if I'm just playing guitar for my dogs or writing long emails to my best friend. I feel most myself and I have the best access to flow when I'm engaged with self-expression. Beyond that, I also have creative aspirations. I have stories I want to tell. I still love performing, and I love being part of creative collaborations. So it's easy for me to identify my why. And yet, recommitting to this practice means prioritizing it. It means making time in my day. After all, we like to believe that inspiration just hits us. And that's what compels us to pick up our instrument or sit at the keyboard. In my experience, inspiration is the byproduct of diligence. It is the happy, though usually very fleeting, result of dedicated practice. I know, y'all. I know. This is such a drag. I don't want to have to work at this. I just want to sit down and instantly be able to type up the perfect story. I want to skip the hard parts. Always. When will I ever learn that that is a complete fool's errand? And here's where I have to check my tendency toward comparison and perfectionism. Those sneaky sneaks. The voices that tell me it should be easy, and if it isn't easy, then the problem is me. I must be doing something wrong. All those other people can do it. Why not you, Mara? Sure. It's true that once in a while, bands will write an iconic song on the fly. You know, they're in the studio, and they need one more three-minute song to finish off side one, so this person does the chords, that person writes some lyrics, and the whole thing takes like 20 minutes. 
once in a while, that process leads to a song like Paranoid by Black Sabbath, and you better believe I'm going to link to that in the show notes, so go get your Black Sabbath on. Now, if you're high on perfectionism fumes like I tend to be, you expect to churn out a song as good as Paranoid every time you pick up the guitar. Well, sadly, no, that's not how it works. First of all, it overlooks the fact that, you know, in the Black Sabbath example, you've got a tight-knit group of people who've been intensely immersed in co-creating something. They're already riding that frequency. They already click as a unit. Second of all, for every paranoid, there are countless other songs that never see the light of day because they just aren't very good. In the right circumstances, you can catch lightning in a bottle, but that doesn't happen without laying the groundwork for it. As a contrast, I heard an old interview with Tom Petty where he was describing the process of finding the intro riff to the song The Waiting. And he played that riff over and over and over on his guitar to the point that it completely irritated his wife and kids. And they were like, please never play that ever again. That song didn't just tumble out of his brain. It took work. I always want to skip the work, y'all. <sighs> and also, please go watch the Tom Petty video that we've linked here because I miss him. I sure do. With all that in mind, I can't ignore when weird, seemingly unrelated experiences in my own life pop up to remind me that the work, the consistency, the habits, these are my teachers. And this is where I manifest true change within myself. I've talked on the blog about physical practice and how that works hand in hand with the creative process for me. In the before times, I would go out for a long run and find these moments of clarity or insights that would fuel the next writing session. It was like my physical body needed to integrate it and help my brain digest it. Now that my health issues aren't permitting me to run like I used to, I'm spending more time in the pool. In the pool, I have no distractions. No headphones, no podcasts, no music, no conversation with a friend. Nothing even really to look at other than the row of black tiles on the bottom of the pool. Each time I go swimming, I get into a meditative rhythm as I count laps and focus on my breathing. However, being in the water has not always been a calm or meditative experience for me. About 20 years ago, I had a weird experience snorkeling that led to a panic attack that then led to a developing a fear of putting my face in the water. As a kid, I loved being in the water. I had no fear of diving or swimming underwater, so it was really sad as an adult not to have that same carefree spirit. Though I still swam, I couldn't bring myself to put my face in the water, and I knew that this compromised form could lead to back trouble and neck trouble. So, in September 2019, I signed up for adult swimming lessons at my neighborhood pool. The very first thing the instructor had us do was put our faces in the water. <laughs> and uh, it still makes me cringe just thinking about it. My heart started racing immediately. It was awful, and my body completely fought it. Bit by bit, though, I slowly reincorporated the underwater elements to my breaststroke and freestyle. On the last day of lessons, I was the only student who dove off the starting blocks into the deep end. Now, just to give you a visual, since we're sort of in the Olympic moment here, imagine the crouched, ready-to-jump posture of a swimmer on the blocks. 
Now, imagine someone holding that same curled-up posture as they belly flop super hard into the deep end, and that was my first dive in over 20 years. I probably looked like a human question mark, but let me tell you, on the inside, I felt like Janet Evans. Once my pool reopened, I've been a regular. I swim there about four times a week. The more I swim, the easier it is to put my face in the water. I still don't have the grace and ease of people who I presume were on the swim team at some point in their lives. (coughs) Comparison. (coughs) Excuse me for that. But two months ago, seemingly out of nowhere, a little voice in my head told me, on the next lap, start underwater and push off from the wall. This was new for me, something I hadn't done before, and it was a symbolic step forward in reclaiming my comfort underwater. I crouched down below the water and I pushed off from the wall. My body and my brain lit up at this new sensation. By the end of the session, I was so happy and exhilarated and I wanted to keep submerging and pushing off from the wall all day. It felt like play. My spirit felt so light. It was truly like I could feel the new neural pathways being created. The novelty of experiencing something for the first time, and maybe more importantly, recognizing that there was now one less place that fear gets to live inside me. No more. It's been banished. And that realization came as a result of showing up week after week, lap after lap after lap. How many thousands of times of repeating the same motion? I got better at the thing by doing the thing over and over and over again. In one of my first pieces for Artist Soapbox, I talked about making pots. In a study, a pottery class was instructed to make the perfect pot, and another pottery class was instructed to make as many pots as possible. At the end of the semester, there would be an art show featuring their best creation. Overall, the people who made more pots also made better pots. They didn't spend time obsessing over details or striving for perfection. They just did the work, and in the process, they got even better at it. Much like that 20-minute-in-the-studio masterpiece, they produced really good work as a result of doing the work. I got better at swimming by doing it. So I think I have to remind myself, again, that there's no skipping the work. And right now, my work is to overcome creative inertia. I know myself well enough to know that deadlines are a must for me. In a pandemic with no deadlines, I'll find other things to do with my time. But now that the world is beginning to reopen and bands are starting to book shows, I'm hopeful that my band will start practicing again and working toward our second album. I need that fire under me plus some accountability to others to really help me prioritize creativity. Overcoming inertia means doing the things that I advise other people to do when they're feeling stuck creatively. Step number one is simply to write or paint or draw or dance, whatever your thing is. Simply do it for 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, you can decide if you want to keep going or if you want to stop. But if you commit to showing up for yourself and your practice for 15 minutes a day, even after a few days, I'd be surprised if something doesn't shift. Along with more access to in-person performances, we're looking at a summer where we can, you know, see our friends and loved ones, potentially do some traveling, all these things that have been restricted to us for so long. That, in and of itself, 
contributes to some feelings of overwhelm when I think about how to make space for creativity. Then I remind myself to ease up. Right now, titration is the name of the game. Bit by bit, reincorporating elements from the before times into the new times. It's not a race. There's nowhere to get to. As we move along, I'll be better able to discern my current capacity and how much I can realistically do given my health and life changes, because things will be different for me now, and that's hard to accept, but it's also reality. But I can start with 15 minutes. That's what I've got right now, and that's good enough. As I sign off for now, I want to ask you again, how are you? How has your creativity shown up or not? How are you feeling about that? What's coming up for you around the possibility of more opportunities to gather and perform? We'd love to hear from you here at Artist Soapbox. And if you're needing mental health support around any of these topics, please do get in touch. See the show notes for links to many of the things I've mentioned today. Blog posts, websites, music videos, all the good stuff. We're in this together, friends, and I'm riding the waves right alongside you. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Did you know that Artist Soapbox turns four years old this year? If you've found value, inspiration, education, commiseration, or just a laugh, please become a patron and help us do all the things we hope to do for you. There are links in the show notes about ways to support Artist Soapbox, or you can go directly to patreon.com slash artist soapbox. Thanks so much.